Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Zion on this fifth Sunday of Lent. As always, it's a joy and a blessing to worship our Lord with you. Before we begin our worship, just a few things for you. Uh, as you've probably heard, our brother Greg Luchenko passed from this life and into the rest of the arms of his loving Lord this past Thursday evening. Uh, the memorial service will be here at Zion on Saturday, the 9th at 3 o'clock, with visiting hours beginning at 1 o'clock. So please keep Denise and all of Greg's family and friends in your prayers this week as, as they grieve. Uh, please remember this week will be our final midweek Lenten service. So again, you're invited here Wednesday at 7 or 6 o'clock for our soup supper. Uh, come, even if you haven't come to any of the others, absolutely come uh, and worship with us. Uh, and my final reminder, next Sunday is Palm Sunday. So we will process in traditionally with our palms, uh, like we have in the past. Uh, if you would like to process with us, we will gather in the fellowship hall before the service and then come in together uh, like we usually do. Are there any other announcements, any other prayer requests for the congregation? Yeah, Judy. Ingle family, she passed away. Ingle. And my daughter is having knee surgery again. She has a problem with me. Okay. Tuesday is the surgery. Okay. If there's nothing else, I invite you to take a moment to listen to the prelude and to prepare your hearts for worship. Thank you. 
congregation. I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Let us pray. Creator God, you prepare a new way in the wilderness, and your grace waters our desert. Open our hearts to be transformed by the new thing you are doing, that our lives may proclaim the extravagance of your love given to all through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The first reading is from Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. The word of the Lord. We will now intone Psalm 126. reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, 
as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through the faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal, for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal whatever was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. All right. Well, I have with me, it's actually on loan from my son's collection, but I don't have many trophies of my own. But I have one of Silas's trophies. Uh, what do you get a trophy for? Winning, right? Yeah. Winning something, being the best at something, right? Being the best in a competition, you get recognized, you're the best, and they give you a trophy for that. Well, I was thinking, as we read our second reading this morning from the book of Philippians, in a way, St. Paul is writing this, he lists out his trophies, right? He says, I was the best at this. I was the most holy. I was the most blameless. I had the best education. 
I studied hard, I had the best family, right? In a way, he's listing all of the ways in which he was the best, all of his trophies. But then, do you know what he says about his trophies? He says, now I consider them basically garbage. I could just throw them all away. I don't need my trophies anymore. Because, he says, I found a trophy that's even greater, and that's knowing Jesus Christ. Right? And Paul's point here is this, that we can try our whole lives to be the best at everything, right? and we can put all our hope into that, but we're always going to be disappointed in one way or another. Right? Being the best at everything is not going to save our soul. Being the best at everything is not going to lead us to true happiness and true joy. Paul says what leads us to that is knowing Jesus. Right? That knowing Jesus is the ultimate trophy in this life. And so that's what we should cling to. That should be our hope. Jesus should be our hope. Everything else come second. But Christ, for us to have a good life, comes first. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, help us to hold on to your son Jesus as the true trophy of this life and teach us to have hope in him and in him alone. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the man Joseph Campbell was an American scholar of mythology, of religious mythology. Um, and he was very popular in the 70s and the 80s. He made popular this idea called the hero's journey. Um, and in that, he identified common elements in mythological stories about heroes. And he noticed patterns in all of these stories. And he noticed what made a successful life in mythology. And he studied about this and wrote about this in a self-help kind of way. In fact, his work about heroes and the hero's journey inspired George Lucas to make Star Wars. And so Campbell often gave self-help advice based on what he had learned from studying mythology. And so he once wrote that one of the most important lessons he had learned from decades of studying ancient stories and cultures was that there is perhaps nothing worse than reaching the top of the ladder and discovering that you're on the wrong wall. He noticed that some people spend years, decades, even their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find that they had, had the wrong definition of success the whole time. They indeed climbed a ladder, but the ladder they climbed led to nowhere important. Well, this is exactly what St. Paul tells us about his own life as he writes to the Philippians. He says that he could have every confidence that he was right with God because he had everything perfect. He was the perfect racial and tribal pedigree. He had the perfect family pedigree. He was born a full-fledged Jew, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He was circumcised just like the law says. He was raised to understand the law, to understand the scripture, to know God. As an adult, he was a Pharisee. He took the law very seriously. He took his faith and morals very seriously. He spent years studying and practicing the law as well as he could. He gathered faithfully in the synagogues, went to the temple to make sacrifices. He was well respected in his community. He was known as a leader and as a serious teacher of the law. 
He was blameless. He wanted to serve his Jewish people so eagerly and zealously that he even pursued and killed those he believed were corrupting it, which is the early church. He sought to bring an end to those who were saying that Jesus was the Messiah. He was an exemplar of model of what it meant to be a leader of the Jewish people in that day. Everything seemed to be perfect about his life to those in the community looking in at him. But now, he says, every step that he took on that ladder of success, every step he took trying to be faithful was actually a step down. It was, in fact, the wrong ladder the whole time. He says, yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. He counts all of his achievements before Christ as rubbish. Notoriously, the Greek word here for rubbish is often used to mean excrement, to mean manure, something to be shoveled out of the barn and cleaned up, not something to take pride in. Everything Paul had worked on, his hours of study, his supposed righteousness in the community, he says now it's all garbage. Everything he once believed made him good and righteous, he now considered worthless. His ladder was on the wrong wall. St. Paul writes it, he presses on now toward the goal. And this word in Greek for pressing on is used like our word pursuit. It's a hunting word. The hunter pursues his prey. He chases after it silently, perhaps tracks it until it's time to take the shot. It's also a word that's used romantically in the context of a man pursuing a woman in order to get engaged with her and marry her. There's often a scene in Greek paintings and Greek pottery, maybe you've seen it, where a man is chasing or pursuing a young woman while she glances back with a smile on her face. Catching her is kind of symbolic then for getting married. But Paul says in the same way, he chased righteousness. He has hunted for it. He has tried to win its favor. He has pursued it. And he has chased it by using all the kinds of things that the world respects all the kinds of things that bring power and notoriety in this world. He chased confidence in his family background, his race, his education, even when necessary, violence, and trying to purify his community. Externally, he says he did all of the right things, but the pursuit, he says, was an empty one. It was empty. Many of us right now also are climbing a ladder placed against the wrong wall, a ladder that leads to nowhere important. We are chasing righteousness through our own achievements. Every day we try to prove our self-worth by putting our hope in something other than Christ. Some of us even have the best of intentions, just like St. Paul did. Morally, St. Paul did everything just fine in his community. He prayed, he worshipped, he met with believers like himself, he tried to purify his community, but he placed his hope in all the external actions that he thought made him righteous. Well, we do that too. Many of us do that every day. We put our self-worth into presenting a perfect image to the world. Some of us put our whole lives into being the perfect parent, the perfect grandparent. Some of us put everything we have into our employment, to our jobs. Some of us pour out our lives into social media or social clicks, 
hoping to be accepted, needing to be seen as perfect. Some of us try to be righteous by participating in the life of the church, and we think that only if our kids, grandkids, nephews, nieces, students, coworkers, bosses, church members, so on, only if they appreciate us, then we're validated, then we're righteous. And so we begin to think, if only we sacrifice all for our children, we sacrifice all for our business or our congregation, then that will prove that we're truly good people. And so our hearts often want to put their hope in these external validations. And those relationships are important. It's important to pour your life into others. But the greatest good in your life is not to be a parent, it's not to be a brother, a child, a business person, a homeowner, a student. You are first a child of God. You are first a Christian. You are first created to know Jesus Christ. So what ladder must you climb to live a good life? What ladder will lead to success and happiness? And I will suggest, from our reading in Philippians, there is no ladder to climb for these things at all. Rather, the ultimate good in this life comes in knowing Christ. It comes in putting your confidence in his death and resurrection and what he has done for you. And notice the difference. Right? We don't climb a ladder to get to Christ. Rather, Christ comes to us. Christ shows himself to us in word and sacrament, and we receive him through trust. We receive him through faith. Christ comes to us. And so we don't need to chase the things of the world. Rather, we can pursue Christ and his free gifts to us. And so when St. Paul writes to the Philippians, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Well, he's telling us that we will not know God through our own efforts. We will, not be, we will not be made righteous through trying to be validated by this world. We know God and we know our purpose in this life only through the work of Jesus Christ for us. Jesus Christ is the only one who can promise you the forgiveness of sins. He's the only one who promises that he will raise you from the grave on the last day. No amount of money can do those things for you. No amount of education, no amount of success in your work life can save you. Your good works will long be forgotten, but Christ will not abandon you. Instead, he claims you. He promises to always be united with you. He is the prize. Because he's the one who allows you to be free. He's the one who allows you to be you. And in pursuing him, you become a more whole person. You become a more whole parent. You become a more whole brother or sister. You become a more whole business person, member of this congregation. Not yet perfect. We still reach for that. But holding on to the hope of what Christ has done for you. St. Paul then is telling us to keep walking the life he has set before us. And in walking this life, he's telling us to make Christ our own. Because Christ has first made us his own. And so don't put your hope in the things of this world. Rather, put your hope in the one who has died and has been raised for you. This begins when you daily die to your flesh, when you daily die 
to this world, when you stop running, when you stop striving, when you stop worrying about this world's validation, you stop trying to improve everything in your life morally, you stop trying to improve yourself so that you're righteous, your pursuit of Christ begins when you stop and when you trust in him. It begins when we repent of treasuring this world above him. And it begins when you trust that it's Christ and not your own efforts that save you. And this is the true Christian faith, that you trust his word of promise to you. Trust that through his death and resurrection, all things and all manner of things shall be well in your life and in this world. The ladder then that we climb is really no ladder. The ladder salvation is to stop to stop and allow Christ to claim you because he is the prize. Amen.
together let us stand and confess our faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe Father. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. <clears throat> o Lord, deliver us from contending that we are righteous before you because of who we are and what we have done. Surely we are sinners who only deserve your wrath. Cause us to turn from our, our, our worthlessness and hold fast to the surpassing worth of Christ Jesus and his righteousness for us. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, you give your Son to be rejected by sinners that we sinners might be welcomed into your kingdom. Preserve your church in this life, one for us by Christ. Give faithfulness to the preaching of your word and the administration of your sacraments, and let your people receive these gifts with faith. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, salvation belongs to you. Your blessing be on your people. Endow parents and grandparents with every good gift to teach their children and grandchildren your ways, that they may live in a confidence of your grace and salvation. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, you showed us and lift our heads. Provide for us civil authorities who discourage evil and encourage good, and grant wisdom to our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael. Keep us mindful that our hope is ever in you. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, you sustain us each day, granting us sleep and waking us again. Be the consolation of those who live in anxiety and fear, assuring them of your mercy. In Christ, Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, bestow your kindness to those in any need, especially Dick. Steve, Chuck, Nancy, Kelly, Becky, Ray, Jean, Marilyn, Jean, Mike, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Denise, Monica, and all of those who mourn the loss of Donna. Lord, in your mercy. 
O Lord, St. Paul counted all things as rubbish in order that he might gain Christ. Give us repentant hearts that we would abandon all confidence in our flesh and so receive your Son's body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, in baptism you have shared Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection with us that we might be raised from the dead. Preserve us from taking his sacrifice for granted and encourage us to forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead until we attain the resurrection from the dead. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care, and prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is 
It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast, that renewed in the gift of baptism, we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending Blessed are you, O God of the universe. Your mercy is everlasting, and your faithfulness endures from age to age. Praise to you for creating the heavens and the earth. Praise to you for saving the earth from the waters of the flood. Praise to you for bringing the Israelites safely through the sea. Praise to you for leading your people through the wilderness to the land of milk and honey. Praise to you for the words and deeds of Jesus, your anointed one. Praise to you for the death and resurrection of Christ. Praise to you for your spirit poured out on all nations. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. With this bread and cup, we remember our Lord's Passover from death to life, and we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. O God of resurrection and new life, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine, Bless this feast and grace our table with your presence. Reveal yourself to us in the breaking of the bread. Raise us up as the body of Christ for the world. Breathe new life into us. Send us forth burning with justice, peace, and love. And with your holy ones of all times and all places, with the earth and all its creatures, with sun, moon, and stars, we praise you, O God, blessed and holy trinity, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation, I invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen.
Go in peace. Serve the Lord.